Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Happy New Year and welcome back. I hope everyone had at least a little bit of time to rest and enjoy their time with family or friends. Um, Here's one of the just funny things about recording ahead of time. It's 2023 when you're listening to this and I'm recording in 2022. All right, today's topic is one that's been rolling around in my head for a while now. So this is a saying that comes to my mind every now and then, especially if I've been wallowing in comparisons that are making me feel bad. For me personally, my reference for hearing this saying, comparisons are odious, comes from one of the Madeline L'Engle books. I think it was A Ring of Endless Light, if I'm recalling correctly. I haven't read that in years, but I remember how much I loved it. The character who says the quote in the book is the main character's grandfather, and the grandfather is a minister and very kind and wise and also dying of cancer. I don't remember the context of why he was saying it, but I remember he attributed the quote to John Donne and also said he was getting confused and couldn't remember names anymore. So I went to look it up and went a little bit down a rabbit hole. Turns out John Donne was indeed one of the authors to use this phrase, as was Christopher Marlowe. But the earliest recorded use of the phrase actually comes from someone named John Lydgate in 1440 from his debate between the horse, goose, and sheep. I don't know what that's about. Very interesting title. Anyway, the original quote was, odious of old been comparisons and of comparisons is engendered hatred. Now, as I said, I've never even heard of the person, much less read their text. And of course, I'm pretty curious about what a horse, goose, and sheep could be debating about and how the topic of comparisons would come up among them. It sounds like something that would either be very entertaining or completely boring. But anyway, what does it mean and why am I bringing this up? If we look at that oldest quote, the implication is that comparisons are bound to lead to ill will of some sort. Now, I think that can be true at times, but I also think there are some beneficial uses for comparisons in the right settings. Okay, let's start by talking about some examples of comparing that don't go well. How about the names that are way, way ahead of you on your Peloton leaderboard? Or peers in different professions that are making more money than you and presumably without the outrageous educational debt that most of us had to assume in order to even go to medical school and without the years and years of training that we all did before starting our grown-up jobs. Or someone else's house that's bigger or less cluttered or better decorated than yours. Or any big material thing that someone else has that you want for that matter. Or how about the qualifications, or lack thereof, of someone who got a sought-after role or position? Or even someone else's physical appearance? Obviously, there are tons of examples, but that's enough to get us started. What thoughts come up when you're comparing your own possessions or accomplishments or physical traits to someone else? It could be things like, I'll never catch up. 
I'll never be able to accomplish that. My X is so terrible compared to theirs. And you can insert a physical thing or an achievement here. The gist is that thoughts along the lines of, I can never have that, generally lead to feelings like envy, depression, dejectedness, sense of futility, or something similar to those. And those types of feelings usually lead to actions like moping, wallowing, creating long mental lists of why you can never have those things, sometimes a lot of negative self-talk. And the result, of course, is that you will never have the happiness that you think those things will bring you as long as you're stuck in this particular thinking cycle, right? Because that's what's at the root of this. Remember, the only reason we want anything is because of how we think it will make us feel. We've assigned a certain value to these things, and we think we can never get that feeling without having achieved the thing. And in a comparison situation like these ones, we've already convinced ourselves that it's completely out of reach for us, and it would be impossible to attain it. So yeah, I'd say that horse-goose-sheep guy was spot on with his saying about comparisons when you're talking about this type of context. Not only that, it isn't just that you're making yourself miserable. There's a decent chance that you're crafting quite the villain story about the person who has the thing that you want. So now it's not just about the thing, it's about the person too. You're creating a relationship in your head that's founded on envy. You can go back to episode 34 if you want a refresher on exactly why that's not great. But for now, we're going to put this train of thought on hold and come back to it in a few minutes. Okay, so now we're going to switch gears and talk about what I think of as good comparisons, the kind that help you level up. They come in two basic varieties. The first and most obvious one is when you compare yourself to a peer who has something you wish you had or is doing something you would like to do, and you become energized to go and get or do the thing. How does this happen? Is it just random chance? The whims of the universe? Nope, it sure isn't. Just for fun, let's break this one down backwards. I'll give a personal career example for this one. Several years ago, a peer of mine became a board examiner, something that was on my career wish list, but I had not considered myself ready for it just yet. If we skip to the result, the result is that I'm a board examiner and I have been since the very next cycle after my colleague started. So if that's my result, what kind of actions did I take to get there? Well, I researched the process and found out what the requirements were. I found a sponsor. I brushed up my CV and made sure to showcase the types of qualifications that I have that our board would be interested in. I positioned myself to be an excellent candidate. As you can imagine, the emotions I was feeling that lit the fire under me to do all of those things were not feelings like envy, depression, dejected, or futile. They were things like capable, competent, empowered, confident, and motivated. Those are all pretty powerful emotions, and having them propel me made the whole process feel pretty much easy. So since we're 45 podcasts in now, I really hope all of you know what I'm going to say next. The reason I had those fabulous emotions was entirely because of the way I was thinking. This was a situation I looked at and thought, 
well, if he can do it, why can't I? It wasn't about jealousy or trying to keep up or anything. And let's remind ourselves, those feelings would have led to totally different actions and a different outcome. It was really all just about having it pointed out to me that someone else with basically the same academic background as me and at the same stage of career as me was achieving a goal that I had. I had just plotted it out for a later date because I hadn't realized it was already within reach. If I had just noticed that he achieved the goal but didn't actually do the comparison part where I spelled it out for myself and realized, look, we're the same, I might have just gone on thinking that this wouldn't be something I could have until that original later date I had in my head. So in this case, the comparison helped me achieve my goal. Now, I know that for many of you, things like that Peloton leaderboard or whatever the equivalent is for whatever fitness plans you do, it does the same thing for you. You're plugging away at your ride or your run, and a couple lines ahead of you, you see someone in the same age range, same sex, and you think, hey, if I push just a little harder, I bet I can catch up with them or beat them. If it sparks a healthy sense of competition in you, great. You should keep using those tools. In our residency program, we have an app that we use with our residents for surgical skills feedback, and every quarter there's a competition for the resident who has requested the most and for the attending who has completed the most. I'm currently in the lead for attendings. The person just behind me does way more scheduled cases than I do, but since we generalists cover all of the in-house call, we have plenty of operative and procedural time with the residents above and beyond just our scheduled cases. I could think something like, well, I don't do nearly as many cases. I could never generate enough to be in front. But that kind of thinking would make me feel futile. And then I would not really bother trying. And I would definitely not get into the lead. So instead of thinking like that, my thought is I have plenty of opportunities to give surgical skills feedback which makes me feel motivated, which leads me to keeping more awareness for finding those opportunities and talking to the residents when we have a case that would be really good for feedback and getting them done promptly. And all of those things are why I am now currently in the lead. Now, I'm still recording several weeks ahead of time, as I mentioned in the intro. So by the time this is airing, we'll know whether I won or not. And honestly, it doesn't matter. I don't actually care. It's just a silly contest and it's all in good fun. But it's a good use of a comparison because it sparked creativity and motivation. And the net result is a win-win for resident education because I stay engaged as an educator and the residents get lots of feedback. So before you start thinking, oh, okay, if I'm making a comparison and it's making me feel down, I just need to change my thinking. Hold on for just a minute. We haven't talked about the second type of good comparison yet. This is the kind where you compare yourself to a peer who has something or has achieved something that you thought you wanted, and in the process of making the comparison, you realize that it's really not something you want after all, and you save yourself a lot of time and energy pursuing something that isn't all it's cracked up to be. And once again, the only reason we want anything in life is because of how we think it will make us feel. So before you start changing your thoughts, it's best to do that analysis and make sure you're good with your understanding of why you want it, what you think it's going to make you feel, 
why you think you'll feel that way when you have it, and whether it's something you will still want even if you knew it wasn't going to make you get that feeling that you're going for. Now, here's an advanced concept, so don't worry if this sounds like a stretch, but here's the thing. We don't need anything or help from anyone to feel how we want to feel. We're entirely capable of creating any feeling we want just with our own thoughts. It might take a whole lot of time and practice, but I promise you that power is yours. So with all that in mind, if you think you still want it, yeah, chances are it's worth pursuing. Okay, so back to the bad comparisons, the ones that are edging you into jealousy or envy or despair or giving up. I think we can all agree that those are not great spaces to be living in. It's normal that we're going to visit them from time to time, but we probably don't want a permanent address there, right? So when your brain is offering you a comparison and it's making you feel bad, and you've gone through all the steps that we just discussed and it's still the same, here are some things that you can do. Number one, yes, you can change your thoughts. And if the comparison is making you miserable, you probably should. But by changing your thoughts, I don't mean just make everything happy, happy, joy, joy. Do some stepping stones. Try and fail and try again until you get it right. Reevaluate your thoughts and make sure you still really think that thing is important. Number two, if it's not serving any useful purpose, get rid of it. Does the Peloton leaderboard kill all of your motivation? Then turn it off. Now, obviously, you need to be pretty selective about applying this approach. We need to be tough enough to be able to handle being bad at some things, comparatively speaking anyway. But not everything is that important. If no one is benefiting and you are suffering, put it out of sight. Your goal is to be the best you, not to be better than someone else. Use the tools that help you do this and discard the rest. Number three, tell your brain to knock it off. When your brain starts trying to remind you that you're not as good as someone else, remind it that comparisons are odious. Repeat and redirect as needed. And if that particular phrase doesn't feel like a good mantra for you, Come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and we'll figure out one that works for you. Thanks for coming back to listen this new year. I will see you back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.